Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Today on the show is Dublin singer-songwriter Alva Reddy, who's just released her second album, Endless Affair, via MNRK UK. Follow-up to the Choice Prize-nominated Personal History, Alba says Endless Affair is about a fear of letting go, either of a party or a relationship. The start of the album is about wanting to hold on to youthful chaos and old romances. The end is an acceptance of how letting go is natural and grounding. I think it shows the duality that can exist within a person. They can be a drunk mess at a party, a good friend, a daughter, a bad girlfriend, a hopeless romantic. All of these can exist within one person. BBC Six Music is smitten with the album. Steve Lamack says this is a record that begs for a fire or a cosy chair to curl up in, while Chris Hawkins calls Alva Reddy a superstar. I agree with both of them. I think Alva's one of the best lyricists around and it's great to see how well things are going for her. She's currently on a tour of the US and her face is on a big old billboard in Glasgow, courtesy of Spotify. You might have seen it on Alba's socials. On this episode of the podcast, Alba Reddy talks us through the tracks on Endless Affair, the influences, both IRL and musically, that went into it, recording the album again with Tommy McLaughlin in Attica Audio Studios up in Donegal. She says he's one of the unsung heroes of the Irish music industry. And we also talk about what it was like making the amazing artwork with Ruth Medjber. You might have seen it with what looks like the last half hour of a very long house party captured in all its glory, Alva right in the middle of it all. And we also talk about the video for Shit Show, which we're listening to now, and is on a similar vein to the artwork. And if you haven't watched it yet, you should. Alva Reddy plays Whelan's in Dublin on May 5th and 6th, and is touring the UK and Europe in April. We talked at the end of January, which feels like it was absolutely ages ago, as she was off to the US in the next day or two. So that's all setting the mood for the interview. Let's listen to the end of Shit Show and get into the chat with Alba Reddy talking about Endless Affair. So, you've been back in Dublin a couple of days. Have you missed it since you've been living over in 
the big LDN. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have. I always miss Dublin. Um, it's always nice to be back just because I feel like I spend more quality time with people when I come back and maybe see more things as opposed to when I was living here. I'd just kind of hang out in my apartment and be like hungover <laughs> do, you, do you try and be a tourist when you come back you're like oh I want to go do this or that or not usually but then over Christmas I was back for a long a long patch and two friends came over for a few days around New Year's and I did loads of touristy stuff with them stuff I hadn't done since I was a kid and then also like bring them up to like walks and stuff that I haven't done for years and years and years and I was like this is lovely and it was nice kind of showing it off a bit and then showing also, off Dublin yeah being like this is this is where I'm from and then um, I suppose seeing it through their eyes because there were loads of like just bring them around to all the different pubs probably tasted every pint of Guinness that Dublin has <laughs> to offer and um, like I drove them around one day and I obviously wasn't drinking but I drove them around to like Grave Diggers and Hole on the Wall and all those kind of places just so that they could taste Guinness in each place <laughs> um, and like up to Johnny Fox's and everything so it was oh, like wow. did, did the full experience yeah yeah do you have a recommendation for the best pint of Guinness in Dublin I have to say my preferred in the last few years is Walsh's and Stony Butter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A favourite. A favourite It's haunt. just very good. Um, <sighs> Grogan's was obviously amazing, but like, it's just so hard to get in there because you have to kind of be going in there in the afternoon on a weekday. Grogan's was good. Walsh's for just like pure, really good Guinness and you get a seat and it's nice and the bar staff like look after you really well. <laughs> Yeah, it's a beautiful place. What about the pints of Guinness in London? Do they live up to expectation, whether the expectation is shit London Guinness <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or good? They're complete garbage. Even the good ones that you get are like crap. Like as in, you know, when you get like a bad pint in Dublin and you're like, okay, that sucks. Um, and you kind of fight through it and you're like, that's fine. Like you live with it, you know, but even like that's a good pint in London. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, I know that I sound like a stereotype, but like that, it is genuinely like it's just bad like I live near enough to the old shillelagh in London which is like the best pint in London apparently it sounds like the Irish pub as well it is very Irish I think it's like Roscommon pub like the people own it from Roscommon it's really cute it's like so nice and it's so typical that like a load of Irish people go and socialize there all the time like it's very classic um and their their pints are pretty good they're they're probably the only ones that I'd take a punt on these days (laughs) If someone was flying over to meet you and you were showing them around, that's where you'd bring them for pints. Hell yeah. In <laughs> fact, I had a friend be like, can we not go there? Because I've just come from Dublin. I don't need to go to an Irish pub. But I was like, God, that's a brilliant point. <laughs> was it a hard decision to move over to London and leave Dublin behind about a year ago? There about 2020, uh, started 22, I guess. Was yeah. It? Um, yeah, it was. I'd been meaning to do it since before the pandemic, so... Oh. I was absolutely raring to go. Oh, so the pandemic delayed you? Yeah, I didn't feel like there was a point in me going over and paying um, more rent um, to be in a shutdown city. And also, during the pandemic, it was like you wanted to be at home with your family and friends just in case anything happened. So just didn't make sense for me then. Loads of different reasons. So then once it kind of things aligned, I also wanted to go over at a time where like, you know, I had a nice place to live with like nice people who I even vaguely knew um I didn't want to be going over at a time where I was like rushing and forcing it so I kind of took my time with it and I'm glad I did um I think I said on this podcast with someone a couple of months ago that I'm surprised that people that musicians still kind of go over to London that that's almost where you have to go at least for some point in your career is that one of the reasons why you went over because you were thinking I have to be in London I have to do 
it it does something for my career I mean I don't know if the reasons that I went over were purely career driven to be honest like a lot of them were social just kind of get living in a bigger city um and also like I'm gay shocker and (gasps) there's more of a scene there not that there's no scene there and like the scene here is brilliant and I've lived in many years it's been lovely but I think there was just I kind of wanted to just get out there more I think and like you know I'm not too young anymore I want to like live in different places you know and decide where I want to settle down if I don't decide to settle down in Dublin um but yeah career-wise everyone that I work with is based in the UK or the States so other than wonderful uh Sheena Madden who's my (laughs) publicist from Amplify um she's the only person that I have on the ground in Ireland at all oh wow do you think that still makes a difference does it matter like where people are based in that respect like everything is kind of done online yeah I mean like even if I was living in Dublin I'd still just be doing uh, zoom calls with my label but it is way nicer to go and meet them for lunch yeah but you talk you don't end up doing as much work when you meet the people for lunch because it's like two hours of talking shit and then <laughs> 20 minutes of like oh wait what are we meant to be here talking about um but yeah it is I think especially like in a country like Ireland I think people often I mean if you're talking from that perspective of like the music industry I think people often are like if you're looking from like a UK or American perspective, that's where your team are based. And they're saying like, oh, don't worry, we'll cover Ireland. I don't buy a bar of that. Because mm. they're just going to link them in with like either Europe or the UK. And like, that's not how you do it. And it's not how I'd want to do it with my hometown. Like you want to have like a connection here. Like I care about like how my music lands here. I care about like any campaigns that I do here and stuff like that. It's like the most important part. Like, so... I, I would I I think it does matter to have someone on that on the ground like in Ireland if you are Irish for sure. Mm. I'm presuming that you had the majority like 99% of this second album done before you moved over. Yeah, I've had this album finished since the beginning of 21. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you finish it around the same time as the last one? No. I started it like we started recording it like shortly after the first album came out. So I had it all written by the time that personal history came out. Right. And have you already started working on the third album? I saw you were in the studio with uh, Tommy up in Attica recently enough. Oh, we were just rehearsing. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. So no, 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 not yet. Um, but yeah, we were just rehearsing because we'll be going over to the States together um, in the next while and playing shows. So, yeah. Very good. You recorded it with him. Was it nice like going back and working with him again? Does he feel like a good musical foil? Absolutely. I mean, Tommy's worked with some of my favorite artists and some of my very good friends. I think that he just like, he finds someone and sees exactly what they need and like gives it to them. And he makes like, you go in and you spend time in that studio and it's such an unreal studio. Like I remember the first time I went in there, it was like, I could not believe that I was getting to record there, do you know? And I still feel that when I walk in and it's attached to his gaff and like his family or so so he has, he has a gorgeous family and you kind of come in and like have like dinner with them and the kids and everything it's such a nice environment um suits me down to the ground that's very much my vibe and then Tommy's just a great person he's like one of the unsung heroes I think of the Irish music industry like he's worked on so many brilliant albums that I think people aren't aware that he's like worked on um or facilitated in some way and work with and like he he's not just a producer he also is like your friend and he also like pushes you forward and gives you advice and stuff so like yeah I it would take me a lot to work with someone else to be honest. How did you find the recording of this album it seems like it's quite a obvious follow-on from the first album I always say it felt like that 
debut album was kind of a concept album of you going through your 20s and relationships mm. and all of the emotions that are tied up in that and this one very much feels like the second part of that oh well thanks is I it think. right is it right Am I yeah right? I mean this one's about like a bunch of things like I the way I think of it is like when I'd finished all the songs so much of them were out about partying and that's because like I was writing them during lockdown and all I wanted to do was go to a horrible house party. Like I was like, I just want to be in like workman's club and it's like sweaty and horrible. And I, I want to be in workman's club and wishing that I was at home. Do you know what I mean? I want to be like out on a night out where I'm like, this is horrible. It's like sweaty pub. Everyone's like, someone's like spilling a drink on me. It's all I wanted. That kind of feeling. So I was like writing so much. I was like super focused on all that stuff um, for a while. Um, But then the kind of latter part of the album is more about like, uh, relationships and um uh like my granny dying and like stuff with my mom and everything like there's the stuff towards the end is like the more grounding stuff like realizing who you really are outside of the kind of debauchery i guess mm. let's talk through some of the songs on the album um you do start off with shit show and that that's the video where you're partying in the workman's isn't it mm-hmm so that was very much just, I want to just do this. I just want to have a lot of fun with this video. Yeah, I always wanted that video to coincide with the artwork because I felt like that song can kicks off things really well. And Ruth Medjber and I had been, I'd been working with Ruth as an assistant because <laughs> um, Ruth is amazing and would like always have me on to like assist her on photo shoots. And we'd just been talking about the artwork and I was showing her ideas and references and stuff. And then when we were talking about it, we were kind of like, yeah, we should do a music video that like almost like takes off where the um, where the where the picture starts. Um, so I kind of wanted to tie those two things in together. Uh, it must have been a lot of fun, I'm guessing, the video. Um, we went method. <laughs> um, I think Make and I arrived um, to meet the crew and like Ruth and stuff at like four o'clock and we were drinking pints from then. We didn't finish up till like 12 um, and big shout out to Vinny from Workman's who let us have the room <laughs> for that long and Collective who managed to capture any content like any videos considering we were all pretty pretty rat arsed <laughs> what's your favorite part of the video uh I really liked a bit where I got uh, my friend Callum and his uh, partner Andrea are making out in the couch and they just had to they basically were really like the only out. couple there and we were like you just have to like make out for like the photo for like the artwork and then you have to just like make it so they were just making it on the couch and they were like this is ridiculous like I, I didn't even talk to Callum I don't think that night because he was just busy making out <laughs> method and I just got to like spray loads of silly string on them and stuff but I loved that end shot where everyone just goes ballistic in the room yeah yeah and you have all of the silly string in your mouth which must have been disgusting yeah it's not a nice taste it's very it's wet plastic basically mm, yeah. yeah it's what you'd expect from silly string <laughs> Make seems like she's become a good kind of musical foil as well to you in recent years you played together with Elaine May is she a good is she just a good friend I'm guessing now at this stage yeah she's like one of my closest mates um you know Mary's an incredible person she obviously everybody knows that who's like met her she's hosted their voices and all that kind of stuff does loads of work for Palestine she's just got like such a big heart same kind of vibe as Tommy like she sees so she sees someone and she really like meets people and can like read them straight away and um, she'd help you with anything, you know. Mm. She's 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 the best. 
Uh, the second track is A Mess, in which you sing, I'm so tired of never living up to what you need. Uh, a bit of a difference from the last line of the first song, which is like, this is so embarrassing, won't you take me home? Um, <laughs> t- tell me about like, lyrically, what were you going for on those two singles opening it up, kind of setting the scene of the album, I guess? Yeah, I think Shit Show to me was written from like a really pathetic hungover place. Oh. Um, just that kind of like even if you're not in a good place in a relationship, if you're really hungover, you're like, no, <laughs> you know, I think everyone's been there or maybe just me. And uh, then a mess is just about like feeling just like so exhausted in a relationship. You know, if you're, if you become the bad guy, you know, everyone, I don't know if everyone's been in that position, but I've definitely have been on both sides of it in long-term relationships where when you become the bad guy, sometimes it's just like so exhausting. And it's not certain times you like lean into it. And other times you're like, it's so exhausting to be constantly such a, let down to you so that whole that song is just about about that just kind of it's like to me that song is tongue-in-cheek both of them are (laughs) oh okay okay I was wondering like everything is personal on the album though as well it's all your experiences that you're singing about rather than like characters or stories that you're creating is it unfortunately yes it is to do with (laughs) my life like I wish I was one of those cool people who could write from different perspectives but that that ain't me not yet Maybe album four. <laughs> is confessional the right word? Is that how you kind of see it? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's always about like, you no know, one like feelings and like uh, things are all just like spurled up in your head. Like music is a way for me getting out and making sense of what it is. Like figuring out like the things that I'm upset about. So sometimes it just kind of comes out that way. Like I start writing stuff and it's a, it's about getting, making sense of all those feelings and the songs do. And then like when I'm listening to the song back ages later, I'm like, wow. I sound pretty pissed off but when I was writing it I didn't feel that way. So when you're listening to the album as a whole is it almost surprising seeing the themes and things that emerge? Totally. Like oh I didn't know that I was writing about this. Oh yeah I didn't go in with any theme other than like Endless Affair is in the first line of Shit Show Um, and I think I wanted it to all be about like the thread through it I guess was that I consciously made was like, oh, it's about like not being able to let it go parties. That's like a really bad thing that I had in my 20s. If I was having a good time, I didn't want the night to end. I'd stay out till all hours just because <laughs> I wanted to just chase that high. And I've done, done the same in relationships. But it kind of, the concept and themes kind of like changed a bit now when I listen to it. Because I, re- like, you know, I finished recording it two years ago. So th- one of the best things about being a songwriter is like, it's almost like looking at a little snapshot of your feelings from two years ago it's like reading back on a journal entry or something you're like oh wow whoa (laughs) good thing you went back to therapy babe (laughs) (laughs) the outro for ms is absolutely brilliant it just builds and builds and crescendos was that fun to make in the studio such good crack like i had demoed that song probably the most heavily demoed song that i had but i had this idea of just having loads of people screaming ms so we had like uh, my friend Ross came in, Tommy came in. I have this amazing video of like Tommy McLaughlin and Sarah Corcoran from Pillow Queens and they're standing in the studio and they're just other, either side of a mic and they're just screaming, a mess, a mess, a mess. <laughs> it's completely deranged looking, but <laughs> louder, like louder. the really big screamy like shrieks because I can't do that. Oh, okay. And uh, that's Sarah Corcoran. <laughs> oh, okay. Very good. She can do screamo rock. That'll be her next project. <laughs> uh damage the third single you sing i should drink enough that i don't know your name or pretend to be whole again i should drink in 
I guess this is one of the themes as well that uh, I picked up on on the album that like drink is kind of running through it as well and like drinking too much and like mm. waking up hungover the next day. Yeah. Uh, was that intentional? Is that something that you like you think about? Um, yeah, I think it was something I was thinking about it a lot of the time. I'm intentional in a way where like I knew I was doing it, but I wasn't like falsely doing it, if you get me. I think like there is like a drinking culture in Ireland which is like to me I'm like it's both like I love it and hate it you mm. know I think a lot a lot of people when you get to a certain age there's a real love-hate relationship with alcohol where you're like it can make you feel so good but so bad you yeah. know and there's like I love pub culture I love like going to the pub or like you know talking about Guinness and all the stuff earlier I love that thing but I don't like it when I take it too far so it's kind of that balance I think I was really warring with that side of myself a lot while I was writing it and it, it clearly shines through yeah um like i've i was just getting such bad hangovers it was like i just don't know if i can do this anymore <laughs> yeah uh and the fear as well yeah i mean i think like a few of the songs are very much written from that perspective <laughs> you know like the worst hangovers because i think like when you are really hungover and you're having that kind of existential thing all of your feelings just rise to the mm. surface like all of those like insecurities and bad things just like rise to the surface. i haven't got i haven't been like that in a while but like i'm a bit more careful and um about about those things but uh, definitely something in my mid-20s that would have been more of a vibe and also just using it as a coping mechanism yeah and like you are thinking of that you know like you are realizing everything that went that went on the night before and you're thinking oh did I do this did that did I do that did you do you like take notes when you're doing that do you write them into your phone and like think oh this might make a good lyric or is that something that's that's not something you're thinking about I mean I definitely a few times I used to work in Music Maker um in town and there were a few times where I would be so hung over there and I used to sometimes like write lyrics on the back of receipts just to keep them in my head and like on the the blank receipts obviously (laughs) um I used to like print them out and write lyrics (laughs) on the back and keep them and then I'd be kind of leafing through the thoughts but I suppose you're trying to but I wouldn't like while I was drunk oh my god I have never written a useful anything while I've been drinking like as in it's just not Hungover, yes, but yeah. I, some people are like good at making stuff when they're drinking. I just want to talk shit. So, oh, when they're drinking, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some yeah. people are good at like playing instruments and like writing songs, and they think it brings me creatively. Not me. I just want to like gossip. <laughs> that didn't make it onto the album. The gossip. The, that's the name of my third album. <laughs> Inhaling is the third song. I or sorry, the fourth fourth song. We're going fourth, through yeah. this. We're like absolutely um, tearing through it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I think that it sounds very sad. But you say, like you said earlier, it's about missing friends and partying. Like, yeah, is it a? Do you see it as a sad song? Do you see it as kind of a sad ish album? Yeah. Um, but like, I'm not a sad guy. But like, my music is sad. It's kind of that funny thing. Um, and I think even when I'm saying the sad stuff, there is kind of a dark humor to it. Like it might not come across to other people, but for me, I'm like any of the darker themes I engage with are mostly have, have a kind of dark humor side to it. It's like, to me, I think that's very Irish. You're watching like something like, you know, watching Irish films, something horrible is unfolding and there's kind of like a, someone makes like a really horrible joke. If you're not laughing, you're crying kind of vibe off it. But I don't know if everyone else like picks up on that because music is so subjective. I feel like maybe if people were hearing it, maybe without the context, they were just hearing this and not knowing you were talking to you or mm. hearing you in an interview or anything like that. I wonder, would people think, oh my God, she's 
Yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> know, like, okay? a mess to me feels, like, so strongly tongue-in-cheek. And so did, like, damage where it says, like, I'll drink enough, so I don't know your name. To me, that's, like, so petulant. Like, it's kind of, like, going at, like, a really, like, bitter, like, like, ah, you, like, it's it's kind of going into the... Uh, Connie from Fears, who I live with, she said, um, you're not neurotic, but your music is. <laughs> and I was like, that's a good description. <laughs> but um, yeah, I wonder if, I, to me, inhaling is kind of one of the sadder ones, I think, because it's about like feeling like you've lost yourself in a relationship and wondering like, where where have you gone? Like, where have I gone and where have you gone? Like, what have we done to each other that we have become these other people who are like not having a good time, not happy not being very kind so to me that's one of the sadder ones but it has like a groovy little baseline to <laughs> keep it going <laughs> to uplift yeah yeah exactly <laughs> I talked to you two years ago maybe yeah in 20 near the end of 2020 um you're living with other musicians now you're living with connie mm. um in london is it just always nice having other musicians around like are you always well maybe you're gossiping as well <laughs> but are you always like are you always learning yeah i mean connie's taught me so much and she's such a powerhouse like she like runs a label and has her own project and then is in mail and is like such a driving force for other people's projects and makes amazing the, dresses as well makes incredible dresses one of her dresses was in french vogue wow. whoa not all of us can say that <laughs> um most of us can not all of us <laughs> not all, i'm i'll put my hands up and say i can say that but maybe there's a few of you out there who can but um yeah, she's just like, she's the only reason that I know how to do an arts grant application, you know, otherwise I'm just so lazy and stupid when it comes to stuff like that. I just want to like make tunes and just hope for the best. But <laughs> she's like, no, you have to do this and this will help you and it'll be make things like less stressful for you. And she's just such a driving force. And are you always like guitar in hand, always writing when you're over there? Uh, no, I actually didn't have my guitar for the last few weeks when I've been back, oh, wow. which has been really interesting. Um, but I bought a keyboard so I've been noodling on that but no not always I feel like I I go through periods which I've like learned as I've gotten older to like 
uh, grab hold of where like there's some periods where like I don't want to socialize I just want to write I want to be at my laptop I want to be demoing or I want to just be at the guitar or the keyboard or whatever and just like writing stuff there's other times where I'm just like last thing I want to be doing I just want to be like out because you can't really write anything if you're not living (laughs) did you miss having the guitar yeah so much yeah it is like my it is so weird how much of a thing it is to me like and I only realized I had didn't have it for a month guitars without their guitar what are they god sorry actually I only just didn't have it for the last week and a half I am completely overstating it I didn't have it from I went to uh Eurosonic and then asked the lads to bring it back to Dublin for me um because I was going back to London and they brought it with me so it's actually only been since the like 21st that I have oh okay okay I'm already like oh (laughs) yeah so obviously I am completely addicted to having it last to leave is almost what you mentioned earlier being the last person at the party I'm guessing that this is very much based on real experience uh, yeah that one is really close to uh, reality like as in there's it's see it's a it's a kind of like the funny thing is when people ask about your songs you're like so much of it I know I sound like fucking sigmund freud right now but so much of it is like unconscious stuff that you're writing that it almost you almost have to go back and read it afterwards and be like oh god wow can't believe i was saying that like i don't like i'm not consciously like right like being like this is what this song is going to be about it just happens yeah and like that song is about like looking at another person who i fancied basically and being like there's a melt like at this party but then kind of disliking the things in them that I dislike about myself. And then also like just being kind of aware of that. Mm. Kind of odd. Melt is a good, is a good um, put down, isn't it? I think it's, yeah. du- I think it's a Dublin thing. I don't totally, think I've, yeah. I've heard other people apart from Dublin. Melt and um, dope. Dope. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All good ones. Have you worked dope into a lyric or anything like that? No. Now you shouldn't say that because I do like to work um, words into songs oh, really? when people have challenged me. Oh. Like shit show was based off Tommy saying that the album was going to be a shit show, like just being like, <laughs> like slagging me and being like, "Oh, yeah. this album's going to be a fucking shit show." And then um, the first song on the album, first you called song a shit I called show. a shit show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that Take was a that. challenge. Yeah. Wow. Is there any other ones that you've done? That, that uh, yeah, last to leave. Um, I was writing that song, and my one of my dearest friends, Amy. Um, who I've been friends with since like, we were kids was sitting on the couch and she was like why don't she write songs about me and I was like alright so I just put her name in like Amy <laughs> in that little hook she was like no, don't put it in that song that makes me sound awful and I was like I don't know it kind of works so I kept it in gonna be the last Shoulder Blades is really lovely song kind of focusing on the on the little things the little aspects are you always just writing like you, is it a conscious thing that you're doing sometimes uh in that regard I guess I'm like always taking notes of I mean that song's so much about like the beautiful things that you like really love about someone like and like you've obviously listened like you've um said exactly what it's about like the little small moments like watching someone um I don't know like loads of it's about things that um watching some 
one thing that I've noticed I like really notice and like love about other people is like watching them do the things that like are impossible for me like uh having a coffee I hate coffee I have a nursery palate I just can't drink it a nursery palate yeah I'm like I just want like waffles and beans and baby tea <laughs> and like mm, like I can't like any mature foods or drink other than Guinness I'm like Bleh. yeah like watching someone have a coffee and like sit quietly with their book in the sun I'm kind of restless sometimes so watching someone do that there's something like really like beautiful and quiet it's just about like a really quiet beautiful summer yeah is that written from looking back like the end of a relationship and you're looking back uh through rose-tinted glasses no it was written during okay yeah yeah so I guess that is a pure love song through and through there's great brass on that single as well and there's great brass kind of throughout the album that's by Uli is it yeah Uli? yeah yeah Uli um Rafino Murphy uh amazing guy he actually recorded and arranged the brass on the album so yeah wow great friend to call on yeah amazing he did an amazing job I'd like I'd kind of arranged some of the brass on uh shoulder blades but obviously I haven't a clue <laughs> so then when I sent it to him I had like put some ideas in and then he had done something otherworldly beautiful on top of it that was so much better than what I'd come up with and then I asked him to do on a few other songs that I thought I want I knew I wanted brass on like last to leave as well and he did a phenomenal job on that This is the last single that you released. You released uh, five singles from the album, is it? Sounds about right. Five, yeah. Um, And then there's no more for the last five tracks on the album, which does kind of make me think maybe we're moving into, like, your first album is called Personal History, but I'm guessing the end of this album is a little bit more personal. I think you mentioned it a little bit earlier as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, Um, there's a few other songs on it. They're going to be. Uh, There's 12 songs, actually, on this so the last two songs, there's one called Pray For Me and then there's which about my late grandmother and then there's the finishes on a song called Motherhood, which is about my own mother. So, um, yeah, it's kind of those grounding things. Just those, like, the whole idea that I look at the album now is, like, there's so much of it that kind of paints me in a bad light where it's, like, you can be an absolute, like, moron, drunk, idiot and you can be, like, a good partner and, like, loving, like, shoulder blades is, like, loving and kind and you can be like a good friend and a bad friend and a nice person and a shit person and like a good daughter and someone who doesn't visit their granny enough. 
they're all just like you can be all those things you know people are multifaceted so that's how I look at the album now is this kind of like you can be loads of different things and like all that duality and like still be good I'm losing your winning you sing uh, I'm just saying things to get underneath your skin which is probably the bad side <laughs> yeah <laughs> um would you recommend people follow your advice on breakups and on like uh, um, these relationships on this album maybe not me at that time <laughs> um yeah I mean that's like about getting dumped and then meeting up with the person and just being a petty bitch <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good time. I was thinking musically, it sounds like Oasis. I don't know how far. Whoa, yeah. Um, cool. I, I was listening to Oasis a bit last uh, week for whatever reason. No, I'm off the mark with I that mean, one. they weren't, they are never a band that I'm trying to emulate, but not in any kind of like Oasis, just like it's not something that I was listening to consciously. But I mean, they're such a pervasive band that they probably are influencing most of us on some a level. lot of other bands are there obvious influences that you had in mind for this album are they similar to the first album well I wanted it to be a bit like I think Courtney Barnett maybe a bit more um on like tracks like a mess and stuff like that I felt like I might have referenced that a bit um on shit show as well with the kind of funky guitar solos and uh yeah still Julia Jacqueline um Andy Schauf as well Okay. I feel like Courtney Barnett, like, I love her. I think she's amazing. I saw her in Vicker Street or the Olympia a couple of years ago, and I thought it was unbelievable for, like, three people to make that much noise. That much noise. I thought yeah. it was a brilliant show. Uh, I feel like she's almost, like, that cliche of a musician's musician as well. Totally. I feel like musicians just absolutely love her guitar work. She's just so good. Yeah, it's like, it's not even, I mean, sure, her songs are amazing. And also, she has that kind of tongue-in-cheek element that I just really like in a lyricist like see she can say something and um, like the I wanna walk through a park in the dark you know the one where she uh quotes Margaret Atwood um in the chorus which like how many people can quote Margaret Atwood in their <laughs> choruses and still make it an absolute banger I don't think many <laughs> you haven't tried hi like next time yeah and then those final two songs were they difficult to write about your granny pray for me um and motherhood then were they tough yeah um motherhood took me such a long time to write I had like the I had the first verse curse with it where I just like had a verse and a chorus and I had an outro and like the second verse took me uh, I think I started writing that song before I recorded personal history but I just didn't have finished for that and it just took me such a long time to like fine-tune it I just had so many things how do you sum up your own mother yeah um so hard so so what happens in that perspective are you just writing reams and reams and just trying to figure out i'd say i had like six different verses that i was like pulling stuff out of and some of it sounded like trying to be too clever some of it sounded too stupid like it was just one of those things of like the first verse felt really right and the second verse was just so hard to like how do you sum up someone who is so huge to you i Mm. guess um and then the second last song pray for me uh that came out just like in one afternoon it was just one of those like really easy lovely moments where you write something that you didn't even realize you were that torn up about Mm. and then you're just like you have a full song after 10 minutes were you wondering whether they fitted onto the album kind of like in terms of the whole partying aspect and the Mm. whole um relationships thing did you think about it or was it just like this seems like an obvious ending point to me it felt so obvious that they would go in and they would be the last two but like yeah other people were like that's an odd way to end an album that's something about something else but to me it's like no because it's 
taking all those different like confusing feelings and then being like but these this is who you really are like you know Mm. like you know when you have like when you're not feeling good and you just have to go home and like see your family suppose that's where those last two songs come from. That's like the song version of doing that. <laughs> and did your mum know that you were writing a song specifically about her? No. <laughs> did, uh, but it was did you shocker. have to like break it to her? <laughs> breaking it I to just shouted to her. She re- she was, uh, she loves it. Ah, great, great. Um, so when you're struggling with um, that verse, like are you talking to people about it as well? Or was it just you were working it out on your own? Like tell me about that. And have you struggled with other songs like that as well? Or was that? Yeah, sometimes one? songs where you're, I suppose songs where you're, really trying to say something or harder you know songs like something like a mess didn't it wasn't that hard because I'm not, I'm not trying to make any big declaration and I don't feel like I'm it's not about someone it doesn't feel like you owe anything so it can be kind of whatever um not that I'm thoughtless about it there's thought into it but it just feels like less I'm not holding myself to such a high standard as I would be when I'm writing about someone um so important so yeah like yeah I've talked to I remember I was talking to Callum who I used to live with who's a brilliant artist and in his own right and he was kind of saying there was one verse that I'd had that he was like you're trying to sound too clever there it should just be about your mom (laughs) that's how songwriters talk to each other you know like just like really honest especially about lyrics because that's what you need you don't want someone to be like that's lovely but you want someone to be like no that's dog shit mate (laughs) back to the (laughs) drawing board but it must be is it tough to take or is it like constructive criticism i guess you're trying to be too clever it's not nice like it's you'd rather they just, just be like that's so good but in the long run it's like you know you're taking your medicine a bit um but in the long run you're like yeah like i've had other mates be like that's too on the nose but i they're the people i would go back to to ask advice to again because they tell me mm. do you enjoy the process of writing yeah, I love it. It's like my favorite part of music. Yeah. I just want to write and record always. The other stuff is my less, like it's like any job. There's parts of it that you love and parts of it that are more taxing. And for me, the I can sit, I can happily be in the studio for 10 hours on the trot and not lose interest and just want to stay keeping writing. That'll always be my thing. Yeah. Have you ever talked to Sarka Richardson about songwriting? It seems like you're kind of on a similar kind of a vibe. We've talked a bit, but mostly just like mutual appreciation society oh, stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I, I should talk to her about it, but I know that a few people who've worked with both of us are like, I've actually been told that by one or two people who've worked with us both, like similar vibe. You both, both just like want to keep recording stuff. Yeah. Maybe it's good not to talk to each other. So <laughs> in case you start doing like too similar or something like that. Start our own band. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would be great. Yeah. Okay. Whoa. Let me get her on Instagram right now. <laughs> so uh, how do you feel about the album as a whole? I'm really happy with it. Uh, I mean, I co-produced this one with Tommy, so it was kind of an experiment in that as well for me that I wanted to be more hands-on with this record. And yeah, so it feels like closer to me than the first one did in an odd way, even though the one has the word personal in it. (laughs) And this one felt like there's really fun moments in it um, and like sad moments in it. It feels more varied to me. What's co-producing like? Um, Like I would have spent a lot of lockdown... uh, doing demos so we would have like used demos um as the basis for maybe 10 10 or 11 out of the tracks were like demoed with an inch of their life before i came in so it was almost about like replacing those parts with like better parts because i'm a shit bassist and i obviously can't drum <laughs> i so i was just using like and like james Byrne, who does did the drumming on both albums phenomenal guy comes in and it's like he's just so great and so fun and so great to work the pair of them are just like such a dream team 
um, and just like such great people as well wouldn't say that to their faces <laughs> so tell me about like the third album as it started demoing i'm putting some ideas together for yeah. sure yeah yeah so hopefully you know, i'm gonna start like writing and recording it um you know maybe after the summer okay probably interesting to see what emerges like if you give yourself more space than you did between the first two albums I'm guessing yeah they were so piled on but then it was weird as well because it had taken me such a long time to get the like cash together and stuff for personal history that those songs were it was such a backlog (laughs) (laughs) that when I started on endless affair like because personal history came out I had recorded it in 2019 and it didn't come out till 2020 at the end of 2020 so there's a big gap with those ones as well I'm hoping to like yeah start kind of writing I'm gonna be more hands-off with this one actually and kind of do more band time with Tommy and James and kind of like figure out the songs that way so it feels a bit more organic oh okay not co-producing not co-producing oh I want to I want to take my hands off yeah I mean I'll always do it a bit because I'm I'm just interested in that stuff and I'm interested in the moving parts but like I kind of inhaling like when I went into the into the studio inhaling was just me playing it on guitar for Tommy and we started from there that none of the other songs that I did were like that um so I'd like to do more of that I think this time around because that song landed in a completely different neighborhood to the neighborhood I saw it in interesting uh and tell me about like the year ahead for you you're playing uh two shows at Whelan's uh, at the start of May May 5th and 6th yes I think um what what about before then you're going to America so I'm going to New York and I'm playing a show in Dead Rabbit um which is just kind of like a small little show which uh is I'm really excited about it's my first show in the states that's this Friday and then I'll be playing like shows there, like Rockwood Music Hall, and then be showing like playing shows in New York, Boston. That's starting in March, like New York, Boston, Washington, and then going down to South Pacific West in Austin. I'll be in South Pacific West um, the day that the album comes out uh, on St. Patty's Day. St. Patty's Day. I uh, can't wait to hear the way they pronounce it over in America. Are you doing an Irish showcase? Don't I am, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Irish Breakfast. Great. Yeah. And uh, then I'll be doing some shows in like LA and San Francisco and stuff. So, and then coming back and doing EU and UK tour. And all of the festivals? And hopefully loads of the festivals. Great. Yeah. Like I think it'll be one of those summers where you go to loads of festivals, but you don't actually go to loads of festivals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're just on the premises for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, congratulations. Good start to the year uh, with the album and best of luck with the year ahead. Oh, thank you very much.